Hello and welcome to another Life Central Church Parenting Podcast. It is great that you are joining us. If you're joining us on podcast, welcome. If you're joining us on our YouTube channel, you are super, super welcome. Today, we are going to be talking about digital boundaries and rhythms for kids and for teens. And I have got some phenomenal special guests uh, joining us today. And I'm going to let them introduce themselves to you. Hi everyone, great to be here. My name is Deb Chamberlain. I am a mum of three. So they're all about to have birthdays in the next few weeks, but at the moment they are 13 and 11 and 9. So we've got all sorts of stuff going on for uh, devices at this time. And my role, apart from being a mum, is for the Love Black Country charity. And I'm the next gen champion, just going around supporting as many kids workers and youth workers as possible and loving the next generation as best as I can. I'm the second awesome uh, person that Andy's invited. I'm Jonathan. Um, Alan, um, I'm a dad of two, uh, one 12 and one 10. Um, I also work for Face Trust, which is a local youth charity that works across the Dudley Borough and beyond with uh, children and young people that uh, are vulnerable. And I'm the third awesome person, Sam. Uh, I am dad to one, Zach, who is two. Um, and I am the children's pastor at Life Central Church. Brilliant. And so our heart in doing this podcast is we want to equip parents to have these conversations and to make, uh, like, to put in good boundaries and rhythms for your kids and your teenagers. There's a real variation, as you heard there, in kind of, the parenting experience of uh, parents and teenagers and preteens and kids. Um, and I just want to say right at the start, it's never, it's never too early or too late to have these kind of conversations. You know, maybe you already, you know, you've got, you've got older teenagers and they're already spending tons and tons of time and you think, what on earth can I get back? We think what we're going to say today is going to really help you. And even if your kids are really, really young and you're only beginning to to think about this like some of this will be really really applicable and and I want to say like none of us are perfect in it like we are we are all totally flawed you know the guys will I'm sure will share some of their parents and like wins and their kind of parents and fails as well they're not perfect none of us are perfect and um, but we we want to just present some things that we have tried and it's worked tried and it hasn't worked um, and we want to say that we we want to model it as well. Um, so all of what we're talking about to put in place for our kids and our teenagers, we want to throw out as a challenge to you as parents or guardians that, that you need to model this as well um, in what we're talking about. Um, but Deb, I'm going to come to you first. What are some of the challenges around digital devices and social media that a lot of families face at the moment? Well, that's a great question. And there are so many issues. <laughs> I think for me, the biggest challenge is, is time use. I think, especially during our lockdown time, we had to have a lot of conversations about devices, especially as they were doing school on a device and then trying to have some time socializing with their friends on a game. Oh my goodness, it has been a real challenge. And so as well as that, we've got all the social media and self-identity issues going on. Um, it's going to be interesting for me because I've got two older boys and then a girl. So I'm going to be watching. And is that going to be different for her? I don't know. I think it's, it's an issue for, for both genders. 
I am going to be interested. My boys are much more interested in the gaming side of it all. And so for me, a lot of it is to do with our time use, the contents that they are accessing, and just as much as we can, trying to keep communication open as a family and trying to have those conversations as frequently as we need to so that we are always talking it through, being open, no secrets, and making it as accessible as possible as we can going forwards for each little bit. It changes all the time, doesn't it? And there's always new challenges. Um, but there's no right, right way, particularly. I think each family is very different. And your kids are all different too. And so it's going to be a bit of a journey, I think, for all of us going through it over the next few years. I'm aware that we are the first generation, really, of parents to have to parent in this way. I can't speak to my mum and dad about what they did with us because we didn't have phones. Um, so, yeah, it's a real challenge, but we're in it together, aren't we, all of us? And so, you know, the more we can help each other, the better. That's so true, isn't it? Like, people our age and, and who, are, who are parents and now, like, they, they will all remember when they got their first mobile phone and it wasn't connected automatically to the internet. <laughs> like, like I remember getting my first phone that had emails on it and I was like, oh, no way. And I was in my 20s when that happened. Whereas now, like, kids are growing up and, you know, they're learning at the age of three or four how to unlock an iPhone. Whereas we all remember when the iPhone came out and we were all blown away that you could customise it. Like... Having Snake was was a big deal to us when we got our phones. Whereas kids now, Snake could be terrible, and 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 that's a real challenge, isn't it? Sam, what are some problems and issues and challenges that that families have faced that you know? Yeah, I think just to say, my two year old knows how to unlock my phone and call people or take a photo, and I think that is just it, isn't it? We're just growing up. We're not used. My first phone was at eleven, and I could call and text on it, and that was it. Um, so I think like I just want to encourage parents like we are the first generation to have to deal with this um, like we've never grown up with internet so much at our fingertips and I think like Deb said it is about time I think I talk to a lot of parents and it's about how do I limit the time you know these things are addictive you know and as parents we need to model that we need to not be sitting scrolling through Facebook for two hours and then telling our son you can't play Fortnite for two hours because actually it's contradicting that um I think time I think managing like what they're doing um as well is a big thing you know teenagers and even kids want their privacy they don't want their parents peering and spying on them but actually we do need to um have restrictions and be able to see what our kids are accessing um but I think for me, like I listened to a podcast recently about this and it, it said that actually we should be encouraging our kids to use the internet creatively. Um, and I think that's really important that there is so many creative things that they can do on the internet. So it's not saying actually it's all bad and we need to stop them using it, but it's encouraging them to use it to um, gain intelligence, to read things and research things, but also to be creative um, and do stuff. You know, so many kids are getting into media um, and YouTube and stuff. And there's so many different creative ways. You know, I heard of one of the kids at our church this week that's recorded his own music video um, and he's like seven or eight. And, you know, let's let's be encouraging our kids to do it creatively. Mm, so good. I was just going to say, I think it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Like the internet, uh, you know, uh, and, and devices are, they're, they're this amazing tool. But, I, you know, I feel like it's almost beyond its time for us like we've created this thing and it's like we don't even understand 
the impact that's that it has on you know our brains uh physiology and as adults we find it difficult to utilize and then we're giving something that is so amazing and so dangerous at the same time and putting it into the hands of children and young people who clearly don't have the ability to to manage you know this technology and I think that that for me is like the massive challenge isn't it you know it's so much a part of their life and they're like well they expect wi-fi to be on all the time that's just the way they understand the world do you know what I mean so we're we're growing up trying to help young people understand this is this isn't just uh, you know something to take for granted this is this really powerful tool that that we have to you know try and understand better because we we don't we, you know we'll in 10 years time we'll probably understand even more clearly the impact of what we've been you know uh, you know doing uh, with with this technology and i think as well for me one of the biggest challenges that, that I see all the time is the conflicts that arises out of, you know, children mm. and people's interaction around, you know, how much time they should be on it, what they're on, you know, can I go on Fortnite for 10 hours? Can I, you know, be on TikTok at, at the age of nine? Do you know what I mean? It's all these things that add an additional conflict to the already crazy, um, you know, environment that, that, parents have to engage in as children are growing up and, and, and developing. So it's, it's made things more complex and more interesting, mm. certainly. Yeah. And I think, I think it's, it's really important at this point to, to know, like that, that what young people struggle with hasn't changed just the way that they struggle with it has. So, so young people will always face questions of identity, like, you know, I did before, before I, like when I was 13 and, you know, the internet was a dial-up that you could go on at 6pm until 7pm and that was it. <laughs> like I struggled with identity. Young people struggle with a sense of belonging and young people struggle with a sense of purpose. They've got questions about all of those. And, and you know, whatever age, if you ask your parents, you know, when, when they were kids in the 60s and 70s, they, they will have had those three questions about their life as well. And I think, you know, teenagers and kids struggle with those questions and technology intersects all of those things. And, you know, it's just that that young people are asking these questions, but just in a different world. And and I suppose, Jonathan, in the work that you do, you will have seen more than any of us the, the impact that technology can have on mental health, on building healthy relationships and healthy attachments just talk to us about some of the ways that the technology has been damaging and has impacted young people i mean when we obviously think about children and young people um obviously we're thinking about development and you know you've you've talked about you know connecting uh, and relationships um you know you you've talked about um information and and what young people um, are learning you know and where they're learning it from and I think one of the massive things that the internet has impacted is accessibility so children and young people have with the age of the internet and smart devices the accessibility to information is just incredible Mm. so it's almost like what children and young people have access to now 
we wouldn't have even comprehended that, you know, uh, you know, when we were children and young people. But now young people have access 100% of the time, all the time. So, for example, um, let's say you got into some mischief at school and you got into an argument with somebody. You'd, there'd be a bit of fisticuffs. You'd go home, you'd come back the next day and hopefully it would have, you know, diffused. Whereas now that would happen and then you've got WhatsApp to continue this cycle on. So there's no reprieve. So do you know what I mean? The, the resilience and the space to regain kind of your, your emotional energies has dissipated. That gap's got so small with the age of the internet that, you know, children and young people's mental health is being impacted by it being on social media and, you know, you connect face to face and then that connection doesn't switch off because you, you're doing it online. Then things like um, safety, I kind of like see it as a door, like the internet has become a door to things, to let things in and to walk into things that just wouldn't have, you know, been a problem previously. So children and young people we see are exploited more now through social media, through Facebook, through, you know, adults pretending to be children and young people to entice young people to, you know, uh, crime, um, abuse. So it's all of these things that, you know, the internet has, like like you've said, all of these issues will have, will have been around, but the vehicle of the internet has just made it so much more um, interesting, complex and scary really, because access and availability is, is just on all the time. Um, mm. So yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Mm. It's, it's really good illustration of the door of what you, what you allow in, but also what you allow yourself to go into as well. And I think I think that's so so good. And I think like I found like switching off from social media for me has been a real like healthy thing for my own mental health. Like yeah. like we all have mental health. It's do you know what I mean? And we we all have a state of our mental health. And I think for me, it's been really good at times to just to just switch off from social media and go. Do you know what I don't. I don't need to allow that in and I'm going to, I'm going to just close that door for a little while. And um, <laughs> it's funny that a door just opened in the background there. as I said that, Jonathan. <laughs> um, <it>. But <laughs> Deb, um, just like, we, let's talk, let's talk really practically now, super practical. What are some things that the um, parents and guardians can put in place, healthy rhythms, healthy boundaries in, in the home, in the family environment, what are some things that we can do to, to have those healthy rhythm and boundaries? So um, we're fortunate that we've got some friends who have, have a child five years older than us. So I remember when our kids were little, we went to them and we said, please help us. You know, what do we need to put in place now? And I'm so grateful for that conversation that we had uh, because it's so much easier to put things in place at the start and have a narrow a narrow way that can then widen as they get older. But I'm aware, you know, some people have to have these conversations as they shuffle through. Um, so for us, and this is for our family, and I'm not saying it's right for every family, uh, we have no devices upstairs at all. And I know that's quite strict compared to what a lot of people do. Uh, we just have phones, tablets, everything is downstairs. We have 
uh, no televisions in the kids' rooms. So I know that is super, super strict, but the kids still have their Xbox and they have tablets and they have phones. They have all of them, but they have to use them downstairs. So uh, that's just the rule that we have. We have limited time. The kids all know they've got time limits. We just found really early on, we were having daily discussions about what is the limit for today. And it just got really boring and continual conversations about it. So we just said, right, this is the limit. Weekends is different. Holiday times is different. Occasionally it will be varied, but on the whole, they know this is the boundary. Today it's this. We have like an Alexa device in the kitchen. And so they set timers which drives me mad because all I can hear then is the stupid alarm going off all the time. But you know what? It means I haven't got to be aware of it, which is a win for me. Um, so we're really strict on time. We're really strict on location. The kids have got to ask us for the apps that they're putting on their phone. We've got a Samsung phones in our house. So we've got something called Family Link. I'm sure lots of phones are other devices available, I'm sure. Um, but in our house, they've got to check with us before they can put an app on. So we, as much as we can, we make it age appropriate. But there are times when we'll have a conversation and it might be that my 13, nearly 14 year old will be, this is a 16 you know, rating, but I don't see that this is any worse than something else. And so there are times when my, you know, my 13, nearly 14 will play something slightly older and we'll talk about it and we'll have the discussion and I'll watch it and I'll see what I think and then we'll review it. And sometimes I'm like, do you know what? Actually, I don't like this. I want, I want you off it. But we have the conversation and we do have a conversation two ways. So he can come to me and say, actually, I think, you know, I think I'm right here and let's talk it through. So we keep a, an element of flexibility, but oh my goodness, having those boundaries in place and they just know this is the rule. It just makes our life a lot easier. So good. Allow, allowing, allowing kids and teenagers to, to learn to negotiate, I think, is, is really good skill. I put something out on Facebook just asking parents what they do, and somebody had commented saying, like, teaching your kids the skill of negotiating and helping them, like, almost go through that, that um, process of, of decision-making and then realising what is healthy for them and what isn't, and... and not just setting these rules and going, this is how it is, and this is what I said it is, and this is how it's got to be, but going through that and, and, and teaching them something. I had a um, guy um, who's a church leader, he talked about, he said, you know, um, when he, he sat his kids down on the first day of high school and said, your senior year, um, so basically their GCSE year, he said, we want to work towards you having no care for you no boundaries, you do what you want, when you want to do it, we want to work towards that for your GCSE year. But what we're going to do now is we're going to put in these boundaries and we're going to put all this stuff in and every decision we make now is a step towards you having that freedom in the future. And anytime you, you break that, you're showing me that you're not able to make those decisions in your GCSE year. Uh, and he said it was like a really healthy process to take his kids on, that they learned themselves how to make wise decisions. They learned themselves how to put healthy rhythms in. And they, they learned to stick to boundaries because they understood why the boundaries were there in the first place. And I thought that was absolute genius. Um, Sam, as kids pastor, I want to ask you a question. When, I think a lot of parents will have this question, when is the right time to give a kid a mobile phone? That is a great question. 
and I do not know the answer. <laughs> uh, but I think, yeah, I think I think I was going to say after Deb that you know that the people that know your kids best is you as parents. You know, I see if your kids come to everything we do at Life Central, I maybe see them for three or four hours a week. Actually, you're seeing them for you know hundreds of hours a week and I think you know your kids best and you will know you know I know some parents who haven't given their kids a phone until they've gone to high school I know some eight-year-olds with phones and I think I think it's down to you really and judging you know what what are they going to do with it what do they need to do on that phone you know is it a contact thing is it um you know they're walking into school and you want them to to have that um because my the other question is do do you get them a phone you know Back when I was a kid, it was like, well, it was a phone or nothing. There was no iPads, tablets, Amazon Fires. Um, so I guess the question is, what do you get them and when do you get them? Um, I think for me as a parent, like I've always thought that, that a tablet would be better than a phone to start with. There's no 4G. There's no monthly contract. It gives them access to message, to watch stuff while they're at home. Um, so for me, I would see it like a tablet as or an iPod Touch or something as a first step. Um, and then a phone after that. But I think you know your kids best. You know how responsible they are. I think, um, you know, it is like Andy said, taking steps, you know, saying, are you responsible with that? So, you know, for me, it would be like, well, let's just get a cheap tablet off Amazon, see how Zach gets on with that. You know, if he's responsible, looks after it, cares, for, do you know what I mean? Then, then maybe we'll look at a better tablet and then we'll look at a phone. And I think it's taking those steps to that. But at the end of the day, you will know your child's uh, abilities. You will know how responsible they are, practically what they need, whether they need a phone and stuff. But um, I think like for me, one of the things I think is great and I love hearing Deb say it, like for me, like phones not in upstairs in the bedroom is just so important, especially for under 11s. There is no reason that a child under 11 needs their phone in their bedroom. Um, and I think it just means, you know, there's so much that can happen at night, you know, bullying from, from other kids often happens at that time, or they might be watching stuff that's inappropriate. Um, so actually I just, I love Deb saying that. And I think, you know, when Zach's mm. at the age of having a phone or whatever, we are definitely going to put that in, you know, that no tablets or phones or devices. Mm. In the but, yeah. I think for me, when I, when I, I think about when to, to give them a phone, I, th I think I'd I'd agree with Sam in the sense it's got to, you've got to it's got to almost be needs driven you know where where are they at how old is this child or young person um, within the kind of uh, framework and formula that you want to develop as as a family as Deb said whatever boundaries you're creating to be safe and secure. At the same time, you want to you want your children and young people to have the freedom to learn those important skills, how to engage digitally, because it doesn't seem to be to me to be good parenting to say you're not going to have a phone to your eighteen because they get to eighteen, they've never had a digital device, they've not developed any of the skills to utilise it, and potentially that's more dangerous than them having one when they're ten. Now, I'm not saying that that it, it's it isn't or it is. I'm just saying actually, you, you you've got to as a parent recognise that yes, we want to keep our children safe and secure, but you also want to create a space where they can develop the freedom 
and the responsibility, like you know, like you you said uh, there, Andy, to develop the skills to be able to utilise, uh, you know, these these devices. So for us, a little bit like what Sam said, um, our eldest had a phone when they went to to uh, high school, or just before they went to high school, because it was like, well, you don't need a phone, you don't need a, a number to phone anyone until you're walking to and from school so like to us it was more functional um and and he agreed you know with that and and that was great but they had tablets before that so they developed an understanding then of how to use devices what they must do what they mustn't do on them and then as you kind of up the ante you would hope that their level of skill and understanding matches Mm -hmm. uh, you know the technology that they're then that then they that they're using. So for me, the success of young people engaging with you know the digital world is, I think, a reflection of the parents and how they've cultivated those young people to utilise the technology. Yeah, and I think I think you've got to you've got to dangle the carrots all the time. You've got to give incentives, and it's not it's not blackmail. Um, it's you know it's helping them build those pathways and those neurological pathways in their in their minds and you know the the greatest moment of leverage that you have is the moment before you hand them the device so you know we've got Christmas coming up loads of teenagers will be asking for a new mobile phone like parents and guardians your greatest moment of leverage <laughs> is when you go right if I give you this phone here's what we're agreeing to. And they they will be so desperate to get that new phone or get the phone for the first time that they will agree to the terms that you put in front of them. And so so if you think, oh man, we've we've let this go too far and get out of hand, now's your chance to sit down and say, you know, hey, I I realize as a parent, I've not helped you enough. And so I want to help you more. So let's sit down and talk about some healthy rhythms. Of when you do get your new phone, when Father Christmas brings you your new phone, you know, what what are we going to agree to? Hey, let's agree it's always charged down, downstairs. Like, if you've let that slip, now's a great chance. Christmas is a great chance to reset that. So before you hand over the device, that's your moment of leverage. Um, Jonathan, was there any other tips that you wanted to bring that, um, that you had written down to offer? Um, I, I think um, it's just about being intentional, isn't it, really? I think... I think often parents respond to problems rather than being intentional to to engage with them. So when when my son went to, to high school, I was like, I'm going to have a conversation with him about porn because I, I, I don't want him to learn and understand what porn is from his friends because that's not necessarily accurate information. So for me as a parent, I'm like, because, like you said, I spend the most time with him. Um, you you would hope that the information I have on that subject would be <laughs> more sensible than, you know, his mate who's also 11. So to me, it's about looking at this whole digital world and recognising what, what are the dangers out there. And I'm going to get in there and have those conversations, no matter how awkward they, awkward they are. To me, it shouldn't be awkward. They're going to know about it anyway. So, mm. do you know what I mean? You've just got to, you know, be brave and, and, and bring it up. I think the other thing is that, that I suppose connects to that is educating yourself. There's loads of stuff out there on the internet, 
um, that, that you can read up on. Um, there's loads of stuff. Um, there's an Anna, Anna Freud website is fantastic. There's loads of resources on there about mental health um, and uh, the impact of, of uh, digital and online social media, all that type of stuff. Um, Internet Matters is also a fantastic website where you can um, educate yourself. So like, there are, there's so much information out there, but we, we can't be like ignorant to it because young people will know more than you do about it and we all you know we all know you've got to be ahead of someone to lead them in something or at least alongside them you know to to to, to for the conversation to to be weighted correctly so i think it's about educating yourself um it's about um making your digital uh, you know world safe at home like so for me young people this is just what they're they live with they've been brought up with so they understand technology often better than adults um mm. and to be honest that's always been the case so like when i think about myself as a young person when i had a phone if i wanted to look at something dodgy on the internet which obviously i didn't do this is what a mate told me um i used to find out all the things that would cover my tracks and I knew that my parents didn't know about that. They didn't. They didn't have the tech savvy to realise. Uh, well, I need. I need to know this, and they didn't. So I was just like, home. I'm free. Home. I'm never going to get into trouble around my devices. Which, in hindsight, if they would have, that would have stopped a lot of the uh, mistakes that maybe you know i went on to make not making and i think part of it is about you know knowing how young people can get around things like family link do you know what i mean um do they know the passwords that you've got for certain accounts so they can increase their time without you knowing (laughs) it's, it's, it's all of these things that that you've got to have a handle on do you know what I mean? And you've got to understand the technology enough to be able to go into a conversation with your child and young person and say, you know, uh, you know, what's going on with this? Mm. Um, I think and there's tons of there's tons of good stuff out there, isn't it? Like yeah, I discovered in in researching for this, like I discovered Disney Circle. So Disney have, have developed this tool. So basically, you can you can do all of the filters and manage the content, but you can also manage the time, and it works across works across Netflix, works across PlayStation, Xbox, and um, all devices. Like it's so good. It's a little bit expensive, but it's really really good. And there's there's lots of stuff out there. And you know, I think if you're a parent and like you know you're you're not sure how to get on top of this, like just ask Google the question. Like literally, you can search on Google the make and model of the phone. How do I, you know, keep it safe for my kids? There's loads of YouTube tutorials. There's loads of websites out there that will help you. Like every broadband provider has filters on it, and that's right, isn't it, Sam? Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, for me, like, I'm really shocked at how many parents don't know about adult content filters on their broadband. Um, and, you know, about a couple of years ago, the government 
we're looking at a policy to make every broadband provider um, have adult filters on automatically. And basically, they got so much pushback that actually they've not done that. So for me, like if there was one thing you were going to do after <clears throat> listening to this or watching it is go like find out, Google it, how to get on to your service provider. You'll have a login, whether it's Virgin, Sky, My Sky app whatever you've got your internet with and just get that adult filter on because I'm not being funny. Yeah. The things that it blocks, like it's, we shouldn't be going on anyway. So for me, there's like, it's not going to block anything that you don't want your kids on. Do you know what I mean? So for me, that is just a no brainer um, to get that, mm. get that it's on. Not, and, it's not difficult, Sam, is it? You no. Call your service provider. They'll put the bar on yourself and like they, yeah. you know, for, for, you know, Vodafone, you can go into the settings and you can do it, you know, phone them up, do it yourself. Yeah. It, it, this isn't, mm. this isn't difficult stuff. It, it's, it's common, you know, it is common sense, but we just don't think about it. Um, mm. and, and it's not hard to do. Yeah. And, and I think, it. I think bringing it all to a close and I don't know whether you guys have got anything to add to what we've been talking about, but I think, I think for me, this is, this is all about, not not preventing but doing something for your kids and having that conversation with them and saying hey i don't ever want this to be an issue you know we i'm sure we would all know people where um you know pornography addictions or eating disorders or you know mental health stuff that's developed from um from device usage has destroyed people's lives has destroyed people's marriages like none of us want that for our kids and so like this is this is about sitting down with your kids and saying hey i'm putting this in place so that this is never something that you have to carry and this is never something and 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 i think like for you as a parent we want you we want you to have really positive relationships with your kids and we want them to feel like you're on their team and sometimes that means you will have to be the bad guy and say no to stuff. But I think like one of the things that I heard recently, which was really helpful, is that like, you know, like message content um can can very, very slowly become inappropriate. Like often inappropriate messaging and you know, inappropriate image images being sent, like doesn't happen instantly. It happens very, very slowly. And often what can happen is teenagers find themselves in the midst of a mess and a conversation and in a place where they're being asked for inappropriate images where they didn't realise that's where the conversation was heading. And all of a sudden they feel in that place where I can't talk to mum or dad about this because I'll be in too much trouble. And like one of the things that I heard this parent say is like sitting, sitting their kids down and saying, if you ever reach a point where you think I'm stuck, and this has got to a place where I didn't think it was going to get. This has got inappropriate. If you come to us and say, I need your help, we will never tell you off for that. You will never be in trouble for that. We want to help you do that. And like, I think like praise your kid for making those good choices to come to you and talk to those things. You know, as a, as a youth leader, either myself or some of my youth team, have, a, have enabled some of those conversations to happen where teenagers have come and said, uh, this has happened, 
can you can you help me and we've helped kids talk to their parents about it like we will do that but we would much rather your kids feel comfortable enough to tell you about that um guys i don't know whether you've got anything to add let's start with deb have you got anything to add to what we've been talking about yeah, just one last thing I wanted to say, really, just how important transparency is for all of us and that communication. And so just to, to reiterate, really, for, for us and our family, we say that the phone doesn't belong to the child in as much as that we have access to it at any stage. And I don't spend my evenings going through it. I've got plenty of other things to do. But they know that at any stage I've got, I can unlock their phone. They know that I have access to everything on there. And I think that in itself, helps them to think is this appropriate what I'm doing or what I'm messaging mm. I would never you know I've never spent every day going through and logging everything that they do however just the fact that they know that I have uh, uh, access to it I think makes a really big difference and just finally you know I, I, I think about what am I modeling to my kids myself and I know that my phone's on a lot I know I use it a lot we try not to have it at the table for meal times. But, you know, it's always a case of, you know, talking it through, having those conversations, trying to be transparent and, and working it through as a family with love and kindness and gentleness and just making sure that our kids know that they are loved throughout whatever they've done, whatever happens, they will always be loved. And that brings security for them, doesn't it? Mm. So good. Jonathan, anything to add? I, th- I think for me, it's just um, recognising that, children and young people will make mistakes with this Mm -hmm. uh, with everything obviously but i think as parents we we can be so harsh even when we make the same mistakes and we have made the same mistakes and we will make the same mistakes i think for me it's about recognizing as a parent um you know we're in a privileged position to help children and people develop into the people that they, you know, have have the potential, you know, to be to become. And I think we need to see it as we're creating the safest place for that person to grow. Um, and, and to just recognise the only way to do that is if you get buy-in. Do you know what I mean? Being a parent isn't about, you know, being a dictator, although that would feel like it's easier to do that. Um, you know, the, the conversation's difficult. But I think when you begin to have, you know, a, um, a reciprocated dialogue, it's far more um, favourable uh, to your connection with, with with your child or young person than saying this. You know, this is what we're doing. If you've got their buy-in, it becomes more of a decision that they put the consequences on themselves rather than you, um, you know, imposing them on on them themselves. So it's, you know look, we agreed this together. You knew what the, 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 the barriers were. You agreed. You su- even suggested some of them and you've crossed them. You know what that means, doesn't you? don't you? Do you know what I mean? That's really rubbish. Right. You know, let's, let's go back, look at it again. Clean the slate. Go again. See if we can do it better next time. Right. Sam? Yeah, I think I just want to say to all parents, like, if your kids have spent a ridiculous amount of time on devices in the last six months, it's okay. So many parents (laughs) are saying to me, you know, the rules have gone out the windows. And I think I just really felt tonight as we were chatting that actually maybe it's having a conversation with your kids to say, these are the rules at the moment. 
once everything opens up and, you know, we're not in whatever tier you're in and we can go outside more and we can go out for meals and we can see friends and we can do more, then these rules will change. And I think, yeah, not to beat yourself up as parents if your kids have spent 10 hours playing Xbox for the last six months every day. You know, we're all in that together. You know, we've we've watched a lot of YouTube videos and a lot of CDs. <laughs> Um, but when we can get out and do more, that will change. And I think just maybe having that conversation with your kids to say, these are the rules at the moment. What And, and it might be that as, as you move into different tiers, wherever you live, that maybe you go, when we're in this tier and we can't do this and we can't see these, actually, we're going to give you an extra hour or, or whatever for devices and stuff like that. But just being honest with them and saying, you know, when, when COVID is gone eventually and we're out of this, you know, the rules will change. But yeah. Really good, so good, and I think I think your homework, parents and guardians, off the back of listening to this, is to go and have that conversation. Like, please don't go and bark orders at your kids. You know, you will you will upset our relationship with your kids if they go if you go back to them and go, well, I've listened to a Life Central podcast, and Andy, Sam, and Jalen, and Deb said this like that. Please don't do that. Um, but what we want to encourage you to do is just have that conversation. You know, if if you do need to dial it back, like have the vulnerability and the honesty to say to your kids, you know, hey, I've not understood this before and I've let you down, but we're going to get it right together and have that conversation. We want to encourage you, parents, guardians, to go and have that conversation. And if you need more from us, we could we could have gone on for ages. There's so much more that we haven't said here. We could have talked so, so much more. So maybe we'll do another podcast about this in due time. But if you want our support, if you want further advice, if you want us to help with that, if you think your kids are addicted to their devices and you would like our input, we would love to help you. So please do get in touch with us at Life Central Church with any of our Instagram or, or Facebook accounts, or you can get in touch with us in the office as well. Just go to our website for those details. But in the meantime, thank you so much for listening to a Life Central Parenting podcast. Please do, if you've liked it, then recommend it to your friends. Please do share it on your social medias and like it and subscribe and all that kind of stuff. Guys, have a great day. And remember, parents, we love you. You're doing a fantastic job and we're cheering you on. <laughs>